freedom fighters, freedom lovers, and those who just want stuff for free. Greetings, it is I, your favorite obscure social studies teacher, with slightly above average intelligence, class, and style, Mr. Palumbo, and this is the Professor Liberty Podcast. Welcome. I hope you guys are doing well. Thanks for tuning in, folks. You know I appreciate it as always. Just to remind people, the email to the show is professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, so if you haven't signed up or joined the Facebook page, I guess you don't really sign up for a Facebook page, but go and check it out. Give me likes, give me shares, do what you have to do to do your part. If you like this message, if you like what we're doing here, please, I shamelessly beg you, help me out. And that's pretty much our whole social media presence, folks. I mean, we've got an email, which doesn't even consider... Uh, social media. I've got a Facebook page. I've got, well, this is kind of embarrassing. I've got a Pinterest. I feel a little girly now, but I have a Pinterest if you want to check that out. Uh, I just don't want to go on Twitter. I hear nothing good about Twitter, especially when people die. You know, I was raised, you don't speak ill about the dead. And whenever somebody dies, whether it's on the left or the right, the Twitter mob just celebrates and they, it, Twitter is just disgusting. And it's got really disgusting people on there. So I just don't want to be a part of that. But people are telling me, if you want Professor Liberty to grow, you have to do such things. Well, I've kind of lived my life my own way. And when everyone tells me to go one direction, I tend to really want to go the other direction. I think it's just who I am. So no Twitter. All right, well, tomorrow is November 11th, and it's otherwise known as Veterans Day here in the United States. But I thought we'd do a little history of this day, talk about its origins, its evolution, and even get into some more philosophical questions, such as war and peace. No, not the famous 19th century novel, but the actual ideas of war and topics related to war, like diplomacy, pacifism, militarism, and so on. The fact of the matter is, November 11th didn't start as Veterans Day. Did you know it started as Armistice Day? Well, this is going to bring up a couple questions. First of all, what is an armistice? An armistice is a ceasefire or a truce. It's an agreement between the two warring parties to stop fighting for a certain amount of time. And mostly during that period of time, uh, democracy, diplomacy is trying to and the conflict. Did you know that North and South Korea are still under an armistice today? So what armistice was is being commemorated every November 11th? Well, that would be the Great War or the War to End All Wars. Yes, I'm talking about World War I. It wasn't originally called World War I, but unfortunately we had a World War II, which made this one World War I. An armistice was established on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in the year 1918 between the Allied powers and the Central powers, which I always like to tell the students, by 1918, the Central powers are Germany. Everyone else has fallen away. We'll get to that a little bit later, but it's basically Germany. Germany was carrying the water for the entire Central powers at this point. 
Hey, fun fact, did you know that France and Belgium still celebrate Armistice Day today? So from 1919 onward was observed to both celebrate the end of war, you know, namely the Great War, but it was also there to honor the veterans who died in that war. Well, after World War II, some wanted to designate November 11th to honor all veterans, not just those who perished in World War I. The idea picked up steam, and Congress and, the, and President Eisenhower signed a bill officially designating Armistice Day as Veterans Day in 1954. Most Americans are completely oblivious to this change. Heck, I didn't learn this in school. And even though I agree we should have a day to celebrate and commemorate and honor people who serve this country, I have to confess I've come to agree with this Armistice Day idea. And I must say, I even think we should go back to Armistice Day for November 11th. I'd like to share, and while I try to make my point, I'd like to share uh, a part of Woodrow Wilson's a proclamation on the first Armistice Day. So this is 1919, right? This is a year after the war. He writes, quote, A year ago today, our enemies laid down their arms in accordance with an armistice, which rendered them impotent to renew hostilities. And it gave to the world an assured opportunity to reconstruct its shattered order and to work out in peace a new and just set of international relations, unquote. Now, we could go into a whole podcast about Wilsonianism and Woodrow Wilson. I don't agree with this guy much. Uh, you know, I'm not going to quote him much on this podcast. But I think this point is a good statement. And it shows how the armistice or the agreement to stop fighting would eventually lead to the Germans' surrender. Now, I often tell the class that the Germans weren't necessarily broken. They just simply had no more energy, right? So it's not like crushing their will like in World War II with uh, Japan and, and Nazi Germany. Uh, this Germany just was running out of gas. Uh, like I said, Austria-Hungary fell by the wayside. Serbia started this whole thing and then just kind of they, they, I mean, they're a small little country. How are they going to contribute to the war? So Germany didn't necessarily lose. They just ran out of steam. Now, I might be splitting hairs here. Some of you guys might be like, uh, uh, Mr. Plumbo, isn't that the whole concept of surrender is you lose your will to fight? What I'm saying is uh, they didn't, they just ran out of resources, morale, manpower. And I think if you look at the, uh, the advent of uh World War II, some 20, 30 years later, it kind of makes my point. The Germans indeed had more fight in them. Uh, Calvin Coolidge also wrote something interesting that I want to share, and this would become the first official observance in America. It says, quote, to observe the day in schools, churches, and other places, so to observe Armistice Day in this way, with appropriate ceremonies, expressive of our gratitude for peace and our desire for continuance of friendly relations with all other peoples, unquote. I think this statement articulates clearly why Armistice Day is a great idea, namely because it celebrates the end of war. 
It celebrates peace. Groups like uh, the Veterans for Peace, now this is a pacifist group, and I'll talk about that in a sec, they make this point. They, they are on a crusade to try to change Veterans Day back to Armistice Day. And in a letter to the editor in Syracuse.com, they write, Over a hundred years ago, the world celebrated peace as a universal principle. Armistice Day was born and was designated as a day to be dedicated to the cause of world peace and to be thereafter celebrated, unquote. However, in 1954, the Congress renamed November 11th as Veterans Day, and an annual dedication to world peace was mutilated into the glorification of war and the hero worship of the military. Armistice Day changed from a day of peace into a day of displays for militarism, unquote. Now, like I said, this is a pacifist group. What is a pacifist? A pacifist is someone who disagrees or opposes war, period. No war for any reason ever. So this is why some of the language might seem a little over the top. But I tend to be sympathetic to their point. Now, clearly, I'm not a pacifist. I've served the military. I was in the Navy for six years as a hospital corpsman. And uh, before I got sick, I was fully intending to make a career out of my service. My wife, she did make a career. She retired 21 years in the Air Force. Our family has given a lot to this country and to the military. I've always respected and appreciated those who served in the armed forces. And I even, give, I even gave a Veterans Day speech way back in my college days. I was the keynote speaker for a flag ceremony. However, saying all that, I must say, I'm not a saber rattler. I'm not this uh, belligerent guy. I'm not a war hawk. I don't think, I think war should be the very last option. And I think there needs to be a clear national interest or threat to this country. But if we're being honest, most wars today don't fit that bill. Another reason why I oppose war is obviously the cost of war in blood and treasure. All the money we spend on missiles and lasers and bombs that can blow up the earth, we could spend for schools and hospitals and parks. Economists call this the bullets or butter paradox, right? This, this, this dichotomy where what is a country going to spend its money on? Butter, which kind of symbolizes social things, or bullets, which obviously is the military. Did you know that the United States has 50% of the world's aircraft carriers? Did you know that the United States spends more than the next 12 countries on the military. A related point uh, to opposing war is who is going to be called to fight it. Wars are fought by the young and relatively poor or middle class, which I guess is fine, but it always seems like the wealthy and the affluent are the ones who start the war. President Herbert Hoover once said, quote, old men start the wars but younger men must fight and die, unquote. Even the wise philosopher-poet Ozzy Osbourne, the lead singer of the metal band Black Sabbath, he says it perfectly in his lyrics in the song called War Pigs. He says, politicians hide themselves away. They are the ones that start the war. 
Why should they go out to the fight? They leave that to the poor, unquote. I think this just about sums it up, don't you? Historically, wars have been fought by the poor at the behest of the rich and powerful who don't necessarily pay a price for any of their poor foreign policy decisions. For example, is President George W. Bush paying any price for his administration's disastrous escapades into Iraq? Wasn't the whole point of invading Iraq because Sodom had WMDs? Did we ever find any WMDs? How many people died or suffer PTSD now or are permanently disabled because of that war? Look at how President Biden is handling the withdrawal in Afghanistan. He can care less about it, and you can tell by the way he withdrew from that country. A war that was going to go on forever. Another Bush war, by the way. How many people died during the Afghanistan conflict? Was there any victory parade back here at home? How many families broke up because the Marine or the soldier or the sailor went on five different deployments? In some ways, they're saying the Taliban is now better off today. They're in better shape today because we left all that equipment over there than they were 20 years ago. And lastly, I oppose war because it seems that we don't, and I've mentioned this before, we don't have the fortitude to win anymore. Now, we could say it's our leaders who don't have the will to win anymore, but the leaders reflect us as a society. And currently, it seems the military is more uh, concerned about using proper pronouns and being inclusive of all sexual orientations instead of making sure our army, our air force, and our navy are top-notch fighting forces. You know, when I was in boot camp, one of the drill instructors asked us a question. They, they sat us down and, and they, they asked, why did you join the navy? And almost every one of us, all of us 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds, almost all of us said stuff like, serve my country and get free college, right? I mean, I I think almost everybody said free college. And in the middle of one poor soul sharing his reasons for joining the Navy, the drill instructor yelled out, that's BS, you guys joined the Navy to kill people. And of course, we were all taken aback by that. But his point was, the military's purpose is to destroy, is to kill. It's not about being inclusive. It's not about being representative. It's about destroying your enemy. And so if war is expensive, costing lives and national wealth, and if the burden of war is carried mostly by the poor and the young, and we don't win wars anymore, let me ask you, what is the point? Why go to war in the first place? Now, I already know some of you that might listen to me and you might follow me. You're like, well, Mr. Palumbo, you're sounding like a, you're sounding like one of them lily-livered, peaceful, hippie dove types. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm laying out a case here, right? What's the point of war if we're not going to win? Why send a young man to his doom with nothing in return? What is he sacrificing for? Now, some listening might also be thinking that talking about Armistice Day or talking about bringing Armistice Day back and changing Veterans Day, uh, somehow I'm belittling veterans or somehow I'm dishonoring their contributions. And I'm going to disagree with that. I'd respond to that by saying, how could you honor them more 
than by making sure we don't make more veterans. Making sure we don't bring people home in boxes or without arms or without legs or their skin burned off. At least if you did all those things, you came home and you left literally a piece of your body in Afghanistan. At least you could come home with victory. But you don't even get that. Writing for Esquire magazine, Charles Pierce writes, As much as I admire the idea of honoring veterans like my father, I've always believed that Armistice Day should have remained Armistice Day a holiday commemorating the negotiated end of five years of largely pointless slaughter that in the long view of history was undertaken for the purpose of setting up a world for even more extensive carnage 20 years later. Armistice Day celebrates the end of war, for a moment anyway. It celebrates when the guns went silent at least for a while. That seems to me to be the best tribute to all veterans living and dead, to celebrate a world temporarily without war, or at least for a small piece of time, one slice of human eternity that does not bleed and die, unquote. This sums up my view pretty succinctly. What better way of honoring those who have served and even died for their country by celebrating peace and, you know, most wars fall under this, this kind of pointless category. You know, historians might, might argue that World War II was necessary to stop the end of fascism and militarism and imperialism. But even World War I, for example, was a long, slow, grinding slaughter with very little, if any, rhyme or reason. It started for questionable reasons, and it ended with nothing truly accomplished, except millions of young men died horrible deaths in between. President Wilson, like many presidents do, tried to give meaning to the war. He said it was the war to save democracy. But that's just putting a pretty nice bow on a fat, ugly pig. Democracy wasn't in any dire straits. Coincidentally, President Bush used the same reasoning for invading Iraq and Afghanistan. America was going to bring democracy to those nations, remember? You know, for some reason, humans like to glorify war. But there's no glory in it. War is failure, if you think about it. War is when discussion devolves into a screaming match, which devolves into physical altercation. Except this is on a nationwide basis. Sure, there are justified wars, and even holy wars, as St. Augustine would call them, but these wars are the exception. At the end of the day, being pro-veteran and being anti-war are not mutually exclusive. In fact, I would argue that honoring those who served is more evident if we strive not to make more wounded or dead veterans. So this Veterans Day as we honor those who served, let us also constantly strive for peace at the same time. Let's lift up the Armistice Day as the voluntary end of conflict, the putting down of arms, the intention to speak and to listen and to resolve grievances through cooperation and mutual respect. Let us pray for our troops overseas. Let us send them goodie boxes. Let us let them know that they are valued and loved. And lastly, let's not let any politician, Republican or Democrat, send our boys and our girls overseas to hell for no reason other than short-term politics.
Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check me out on Facebook, guys. And the email is ProfessorLiberty1776 at gmail.com. Send me your questions on economics, history, and government. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim liberty. Liberty.